the book of Jonah. We're going to wind it up today. You know, Jonah wrote this, this account of his life. And I really do appreciate his honesty. I appreciate what he opened up and told us. I mean, he was honest enough to say, I, I didn't want God to work this way. He was honest enough to say, when I did what God wanted, he blessed my life. And then he said, after that, after God did what I didn't want him to do, and he chose to do it anyway, he said, I just sat down and pouted about it. And I think that type of openness, that type of transparency before God is something that would enrich our relationship with Him because so many times we, we put on our go-to-church faces. You know what I'm talking about? Everything's good. Bless God. Yes, I am highly favored. I did everything God wanted me to do today. In fact, I did so much that God wanted me to do, I am sure He's just sitting up there in heaven going, Wow, look at them. Yeah. But Jonah, he just kind of got real about it, didn't he? He just said, God called me to do something I didn't want to do. And I like that. I appreciate it. So, so when we look at the book of Jonah, what do we see? Um, in chapter 1 of the book of Jonah, we saw Jonah running from God. Jonah said to, God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. And he said, preach. And he said, this is what I want you to preach. Judgment's coming. Repent or you're going to be destroyed. And Jonah had made this amazing life, really, about, about preaching. He was a preacher. He was a prophet. He was one that proclaimed the word of God. But he had made this amazing life out there talking about how bad the Ninevites were. And now God wanted him to step out of his comfort zone, what he was good at, what he liked to do. And he said, now I want you to step into this wicked and vile place called Nineveh. And not, I don't want you to walk in there and fist bump and high five and say, y'all are cool. What he wants, I want you to do is I want you to walk in there and say, if y'all don't repent, you're going to hell. Now, I don't know what happened to the last preacher that went into Nineveh and said that. But I know that they were known for murderous, wicked, vile, and evil acts. And so Jonah had to make a choice. Was he going to believe God? Or was he going to do what had always been comfortable to him? Now I've got to just tell you all the truth. Every one of us, if you have not been confronted with that, you're going to be confronted with that. You're going to be confronted with a choice. Do I, do I believe God? Do I trust God? Do I obey, obey God? Or... Do I just keep doing what I want to do with my life, my finances, my relationships, my attitudes, my past, my present, those kind of things? My prayer today is that through the life of Jonah, we'll learn that no matter what God brings to us, that we can trust him. That he is good, that he is sovereign, that he really does mean and believe what he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, when he says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. A plans to prosper you in life. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got to hold on to the truth of God because we're living in a day and an age and a time when everything but the truth is being applauded. And everything but the truth is being pointed to as the way to go. And God says, my way from the, before the beginning of time 
and my way past time being measured is still the right and the good way. So in chapter 1, Jonah's running from God. In running from God, Jonah finds out he doesn't like what he's run into, and so he begins to run to God. Oh God, I'm so sorry. If you'll just get me out of this well, and if you'll redeem me or save me in this moment, I will go to Nineveh. And he does, and he preaches. Eight words. The whole city repents. In chapter 3, after he's run from God, and after he's run to God, in chapter 3, he's running with God. He's on his three-day journey, walking across the town, saying, here it is, here it is, here it is. And people are just coming to know God. They're turning from evil. They're turning to God. But in chapter 4, Jonah is now running into God. They're at odds. His will versus God's will. His way versus God's way. Have you ever been in that struggle of where you know what God said do and you said, I'm not going to do it your way. Finally you give in and then you just begin to butt heads with God. God, did you really say you want me to take up my cross every day and follow you? God, did you really say you want me to love my neighbor? You see, Jonah has got an issue going on in his life. Jonah's, Jonah's got a citizenship issue going on. Jonah sees himself as a citizen of Israel. And he is a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we need to understand, regardless of our location, regardless of our country of origin, regardless of where we live now, regardless of what my passport says, I am a citizen of heaven. Therefore, I need to take my instruction, I need to... Uh, take my understanding all from what God says. I need to love people like God says. I need to follow God like He says. And I need to be more about Him than I am a system. Let me tell you something else that was a struggle for Jonah. Jonah did not have a problem with the truth of God. In fact, if you go back and read it all the way through, he says, God, if I do this and I proclaim this, these people are going to repent. And if these people repent, because you're merciful and gracious, you're not going to destroy them. Jonah knew what was going to happen. The problem was not the truth of God. The problem was the love of humanity. Jonah could not love his fellow man. Jonah did not want somebody other than who he wanted to be in the kingdom of heaven with him. Uh-oh, say oh me. Yes. You see, Jonah is sitting here picking and choosing who God ought to love, who God ought to bless, who God ought to show mercy to. And so where are we going next? We're actually going from here, starting next week, we're going to go into the book of 1 Corinthians 13. What's it known for? Love. So if Jonah had not a truth problem and Jonah had a love problem, then we need to understand what God says about love and then we need to learn how to implement it into our lives so that when we meet people on the street or we meet people that we don't agree with or we meet people that we're upset with, we need to say, but this is what God says. And as a citizen of heaven, how do I love you? So Jonah, he's running from God, he's running to God, he's running with God. And now in chapter 4, as I said, he is running into God. So let's read it. Actually, it's short. I'm going to just read that whole chapter 4 again just to get us back in the flow. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. 
and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? Do you have the right to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city. You want to know why I said he was pouting? God asked a question and Jonah didn't say a word. He just took his toys and left. What is that called? Pouting. You see, God asked a direct question. Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah just went out of the city. Do you find that amazingly ironic? That there is the greatest revival in all of history. And the preacher who preached the revival. Let me tell you all something. If some of y'all get saved today, I'm not running out the door. I'm going to sit around and go, man, God, you're good. I'm going to hang out. I'm not going to want to leave. I'm going to want to be here. And Jonah has just preached this message. And an entire town has come to him. And instead of wanting to hang out with the people, he's like, God, you saved all those people? Let me get out of here. Oh, no. Uh-uh. That's not how it's going to work. So it says that Jonah's there. So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter. And sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. You know what he's thinking? This isn't real. I know those Ninevites came down at the end of the service. And I know that they... They gave their heart to Christ. But, you know, I've been knowing Ninevites for a long time. And that religion in a Ninevite lasts about five minutes. And they can't wait to get out that door and fall again. So I'm just going to find me a little perch. Boom, there it is. I'm going to find me a little perch. And I'm just going to sit over here. Because just as soon as they mess up, I'm going to jump up and go, Ha! I knew it wasn't real. Mm-mm. Don't y'all look and say nasty Jonah. I've been around church folk. I've been around y'all. I've been around you when I heard you say, well, let's just watch and see how long that lasts. And then just as soon as them little jokers mess up, we go, huh. I told you so. And then we want to run by them and go, ha. That is not what God said. God said you're not a citizen of this world. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. God said you're not just to love the law, but you're to love my mercy. And when you see one of us falling, we're not to go, I knew you would fall. No, we're supposed to run over there and pick them up. Go read over in the book of Mark when the paralyzed man could not get to God. His friends didn't just look at him and say, stinks to be you. No. His friends picked him up on a pallet, climbed up on the roof, knocked a hole in the roof, and then lowered him down so that he could get to Christ. So Jonah, on the east side of the city, made a shelter, sat till he might see what would become the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that, he might, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. 
So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. And it's interesting here in the Hebrew. This says exceedingly abundantly happy. This is the only time in the entire book of Jonah that we find Jonah happy. Because God gave him a little weed. Some of y'all been happy before. Listen to you. Oh my goodness. Yep. So Jonah was grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm. And it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind. I'm thinking that means hot, dry, and parching. And the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself. That Jonah, he wants to die. He's like all the time like, Lord, just kill me now. That he wished death for himself. It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah. It's kind of like the same question he asked over here in verse 4. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, you've had pity on the plant. There's something going on here. So let's just hold that thought. You've had pity on the plant. And it perished. It came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons which cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock? It's amazing to me that Jonah does not seem to learn. By that, I mean that he was never able to grasp even as a prophet, the purpose and the plan of God. He kept going to church with his agenda. He kept going to church saying, God, this is how I want you to work. God, this is what I want you to do. And God kept saying to him, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my actions are not your actions, and this is what I want to do. And Jonah kept saying, but this is what I want you to do. And so he was never able to surrender. And because he was never able to surrender his will to God's will, he lived and breathed a miserable life. Ladies and gentlemen, I am tired of a miserable life. I'm tired of watching people suffer remember a couple of weeks back I said just watch the news and this happened to a three-month-old and this happened and that happened just this week in the last 24 hours I have been to the hospital with a person who is a member of this church who decided that life had become more than they could bear and they sat down in a parking lot all alone and said, I'd rather die than live. And the only reason they're not dead right now 
is the mercy of God because they took the action. And that's people we sit with on Sunday morning. Within the last 24 hours, church members have called. Not church members, that makes them like somebody not real. Friends, brothers and sisters in Christ. People that God said, I want you to do life with together. They've called and said, my life, my world is falling apart. I can't go home because of the turmoil. And it doesn't have to be that profound. Share some of us are just suffering because our baby moved off to college. I told her this morning, hey, did you see that picture of Morgan on that car dancing? <laughs> and she said, no, I didn't. I said, I didn't either. I was just wondering. Man, it's rough when your kids move off. And people are living life, and we're more focused on what we want, and we don't learn that God has a way and God has a purpose. So what do we learn? Let's just get in it right quick and knock it out. First of all, we learned that because Jonah was not willing to do it God's way. He wanted His way. The first thing that we see is that the Lord encountered a bitter man. Verse 4, But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Have you any right to be angry? One man translated it this way, The Lord said, Jonah is doing good, displeasing to you. Is me doing what I want to do is God displeasing to you? Is me working in the life of the Ninevites upsetting to you? Jonah, why is my will displeasing to you? God had encountered a bitter man. In essence, God is saying to Jonah, we are looking at an identical situation in two different ways. Jonah, I'm pleased with it, but you are angry. Which one of us is right? Jonah knew the answer. Jonah knew that God's way was right, but Jonah had a battle of the will. A battle of lordship. A battle of who's in control. A battle of who gets to call the shots. You know what I'm talking about. Those moments in life when you're confronted by God and you, and you run smack dab into the will of God and you're not yet ready to surrender it and you begin to come up with all the reasons that you don't have to. Sometimes we look for somebody that's worse and say, well, God, at least I'm not them. Sometimes it look, we look at what we're doing and we justify it and we say, but God, am I really hurting anybody other than me? Does this action hurt anybody else? If I want to do it, what's the big deal? And God says, you are my possession. I bought you with a price. I bought you with the precious gift of the life of my son. And because I've done that, I have every right, I have every reason, and I have all authority to make demands on you. 
Jonah did not like that. Jonah became bitter. Jonah became to a place in his life where he was now a servant of himself, not of the Lord God. Please hear me. Sin will make you bitter. Sin will make you angry. Sin will make you defensive. Sin will make you a justifier of actions. And Jonah had gotten there. We see him bitter in his complaint against the purpose of God. Go back to verse 5. Jonah said, so the Lord said in verse 4, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah didn't say a word. Jonah just went out of the city. He sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter. And he sat down in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. Jonah went out. Jonah should have come in. Jonah should have been there. Walking side by side. Because let me tell you something. If you have been a person that is away from God. And you have that wonderful, traumatic, yet precious moment that you realize that you're a sinner and that the grace of God has visited on you and that there is forgiveness for you and there's restoration for you and there's relationship for you. That is a moment that you need to be surrounded by believers, people who have been there, people who can say, hold on, trust God. Yes, it's uncomfortable right now, but in this moment, I want you to know That God has never failed and this is how God has delivered me. That is why we keep a testimony in our pocket ready to proclaim it all the time. Look what the Lord has done. Look how good He is. Look what He has done for me and my family. This is how He forgave me. This is how He restored me. This is how He allowed me to endure the consequences of my choices. He was my strength. He was my shield. He was my fortress. He was my protector. He was my provider. He was my forgiver. He was my peace. He was my comfort. He was my endurance. And while these people, these newborn babes, that's what the Bible says for somebody who comes to Christ, that they are a newborn babe in Christ, that we need to give them the milk of the Word How many of you would have a baby walk out the door and say, fend for yourself? That's a special kind of nasty if you do it. And that's what Jonah did. He birthed through the grace of God these newborn babes. And then he said, you're on your own. And not only did he say, you're on your own, he said, I hope you fail and I hope God. He got silent. He was against the purpose of God. He criticized the plan of God. Look at verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? The vine? He says, Oh, I'm angry. I'm angry enough to die over it. Now listen to this. I told you God, this was something up. God was doing something. We, need, we don't need to run past it. We already said that's the only time that Jonah was happy is that when God gave him the vine. 
He's looking at God saying, God, I know better than you do, so I'm going to do it my way. But isn't it interesting that a man of God, a child of God, preserved by God, called by God to proclaim the word of God, is more happy over the provision of a vine than he is an entire town that has come to Christ. He is more broken at the loss of a vine than he is at the possibility of these redeemed people reverting back to old ways and perishing. How many times in our lives do we get Jonah vision? And in our Jonah vision, we cry out, Hey God, I know they got it bad, but before you go over there and do something for them, whew, it sure is hot out here. And God in His mercy provides. And God in His sovereignty takes away. And we're angry at God. I told you one of the greatest days I had as pastor of Mount Zion Baptist Church was in the early days of transition when it seemed like more people were exiting than were coming in. And God sat me down and he had a stern conversation. And he said, would you stop looking at what's leaving and would you look at what I'm bringing you? Because see, one's looking back going, oh no, what was me? If I was a better pastor, these people would stay. If this was going on, that wouldn't be happening. And God said, I'm sovereign. And this is the work I'm doing. And I want you to embrace it. And I have made amazing friends. Walked through some amazing trials. Made relationships that will last on this earth until eternity and even be better then. And there are times in our lives that the ways of God will conflict with what we have determined ought to be. And at that moment we say, like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Lord, if there's another way, let's do it. But if there's not, nevertheless, not my will... But your will be done. Jonah could not get there. And because he could not get there, he was bitter. He complained against the purpose of God. He had a criticism against the plan of God. One man said, it's much easier to be critical than correct. It's easier to be critical than committed. It's easier to be critical than a part of the solution. Abraham Lincoln said, He has the right to criticize who has the heart to help. He has the right to criticize who has the heart to help. So, what is he saying? If you're going to gripe, get up and make it better. If you're not going to be a part of the solution, Zip it. 
Jonah, a bitter man. But not only do we see Jonah bitter, we also learn a lesson that escaped a bewildered man. Jonah's bewildered. Jonah doesn't understand why just and righteous God, holy God, would show mercy to these people. He doesn't understand. The movie, the book, whichever one you're familiar with or maybe not familiar with, but it's a movie and a book, it's called The Hiding Place. The Hiding Place is the story of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom was a lady that lived in Nazi Germany, and when the Nazi takeover took place, her and her family were taken, and they were put into a concentration camp. And in the concentration camp, they suffered the atrocities of, that we all have know about that happened in those times. Corey got bitter. Who is God? Why would God allow this to happen? God, what do you mean? Just, ah. Uh. Corey had a sister named Betsy. And all the while that Betsy was in the concentration camp, she kept going around telling people that Jesus was the answer, to trust Him, that He was good, that even though this was going on, that He would not leave them for, nor forsake them. Betsy died proclaiming the goodness of God. Corey got bitter. But after that, Corey gave her life to Christ, and Corey began to walk around and say, it was in my pain that I saw how great God was. If you're in pain this morning, whether that pain is physical, emotional, financial, spiritual, relational, God has not abandoned you, but God is running to you, just like the father of the prodigal son who was returning. God is running to you and telling you right now, I love you, and I want to strengthen you, I want to support you, I want to lift you up, I want to hold you, I want to carry you. Jonah, critical. Jonah had a lesson that he did not understand. He could not learn it. This is seen in the sympathy that God showed. Go back to verse 6. And the Lord God prepared a plant. He made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. Now, isn't that interesting? Here's Jonah. Called by God. He's run from God, prepared by God, and he chooses not to do it. In fact, he says, I'd rather die. He says, I want to jump out of this boat, and I would rather die than go tell those Ninevites they could go to heaven. Chapter 3, he wonderfully does it. But as soon as he proclaims it, and God forgives them and redeems them, he's back to his old ways, and he says, I don't like it. And yet God in His mercy provides a plant to give Him comfort. One of the tricks of Satan, when we are involved in a sinful life, is that he will corrupt the blessings and the mercy of God. We can be in the choices that are walking away from God, and we can look around and say, well, look, God's still blessing me. He provided a vine. Don't confuse God's mercy with God's approval. Ask yourself, God, is this the benefit of your mercy? 
Or is this a blessing from my obedience? And all of it's mercy, understand that, but, but it's asking the question there. Jonah got this. He saw the sympathy of God. This is that time I told you that he was happy. He was happy because God had given him something, not because God had done something for the Ninevites. If Jonah had said, I will die proclaiming the gospel, that would have been a martyr. That would have been a cause worthwhile to die for. You die for the gospel. You die for the truth of the word. You die for the proclamation of Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You don't want to die because God is the way, the truth, and the life, and he demonstrated it. God, Jonah did not understand. He was bewildered by this sympathy. Jonah's joy in the gourd is like the joy of men and the possessions of this world which do not persist. Over the possession of which it is not worth rejoicing, nor is it worth being sorry for its loss. So here was a question that God led me to ask myself. Chris, what are the gourds in your life? What are the vines in your life? I'd ask you the same question. What are the vines in your life? What are the things that you are like, Woo, God is good. But they're not the things that should persist in your life. Vines come in a lot of ways. Jonah and looking at his life, was bewildered. It escaped him. He did not understand what God was doing. He did not understand the sovereignty of God in verse 10. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it nor make it grow. It sprang up overnight. And God just simply says, if you can get upset over a vine that you did nothing for, am I not justified? In caring for my people. And I don't know what would happen this morning if we started the conversation. But I know what happens a lot of times when I'm around groups of people and this conversation starts. If you talk about coming into the city. To do a mission trip. You'll get some. Yeah people need the Lord. Yeah. People. Need love. Yeah life's bad. But man you bring up health care. Man you can talk all the way through lunch. You bring up taxes. And they won't be quiet. It doesn't matter which way you'd lean towards it. That's not the point. The point is, health care affects my pocket. Taxes affect my pocket. And I want to talk about those things, and I can get passionate about it. But when you go say, 
young lady sitting in the Home Depot parking lot got so tired of life and so distraught with life that she was willing to take it right there within just feet of our church. Or the young man that took his life right out here on the corner that Sunday morning. Oh man, that's bad. Boy, it sure is rough around here. Probably ought to move away. It's getting too rough for me. That's what Jonah said. And we don't need to run from the fire. We need to run to the fire. We need to run to the people. We need to be there, the sovereignty of God. Lord, give me a heart, your heart. Give me the things that break you. I don't want my heart to be broken over a vine. I want my heart to be broken over people that will be eternally separated from you that will go to hell if they don't know you as their Savior. And you need to hear me. They will. The scripture says there comes a day that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And ladies and gentlemen, every one of us are in there. We will. Some will bow in awe and honor and some will bow in distress and judgment. But they will bow. And there are forces of evil, there are forces of Satan that are falsely loving. They're selling counterfeit love. And people are buying it like it's the real thing. And for the moment it lifts them up. And then just like the, the fall of a high, it causes you to hit the bottom. There's only one love that doesn't fail. There's only one of these that's the greatest. And the scripture says that the greatest of these is love. Jonah. Man, he had to have been like, if he were in our world, he would have like started going to church and been there every time the door was open. He would have been the one that volunteered. He'd have been taking out the trash. He'd have been cleaning the bathroom. He would have been setting up chairs. Somebody would have looked and said, man, that Jonah sure is committed. Let's get him to teach a Sunday school class. And they'd have said, hey, Jonah, you want to teach? And he'd said, I don't know, but I'll try it. And then he started teaching, and he really liked it. And then somebody said, man, that Jonah teaches so good. We ought to license him to ministry and give him an area and to, to be over. And they took it, and he went with it. And then people said, man, he just needs his own church. He needs to have his own ministry. He needs to be doing his own thing. He needs to be out there in front leading. He was passionate for God. And somewhere in his service of God, he lost his passion for the purpose. He lost his passion for the plan. And then he began to say, this is what, God, you ought to do. Man, if God's got given you breath, he's called you into the city. And then we see the last thing, verse 11. Let's look at it right quick. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand and much livestock? Jonah was blinded. Jonah could not see. And we can live. What is that saying? You can't see 
can't see the forest for the tree. Can't see the tree for the forest. You know what I'm talking about? It's something about there's a whole lot of them and you can't see one of them. I don't know how it goes, but that's the gist of it. Yes, there you go. Can't see it. It's there and you don't see it. You just look and you see all this stuff and you don't see the one that's hurting. And we can come in here and say, boy, we had a good crowd today. And we get so busy looking at the crowd, we don't see the individual. Jonah had become blinded. He didn't see it. The verse 11 reveals the love of God toward people. But it was the love of God that enraged Jonah. It made him mad. He was trying to serve God with spiritual blinders. Lord, I want you to work right through here. But if you work over there, I can't see you. If you talk over there, I can't hear you. La, 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 la. God says, look, I'm at work all around you. Look, there are things that I want to do. God had concern for unloved people. God had compassion for unlearned people. The love of God, it never changes. The love of God has always been to seek and to save that which was lost. The love of God has always been to bind up the brokenhearted. The love of God has been always been to make the lame walk, the blind see, and the dumb talk. It's always been. And he says, join me in my mission. But we will never join him in his mission until we have love for the people that he created. I'm so excited about the, to, to understand God's heart through Jonah. I'm so excited in the next weeks to launch into what does God mean when he says love. I've got an idea that it's going to be very different than what we practice a lot of times. So Lord, teach us. Because we want to be here doing your thing and loving people.